How do you know if you have a genuine sleep disorder? Sleep is an area where there is so much information that it can be overwhelming. On the other hand, we're inundated with sleep trackers through smartwatches, aura ring and much more. I know that I've heard from several people who get information from their trackers and say that they don't quite know the depth of it and also what must they do with the information. I was very keen to explore the topic of sleep diagnostics to break down where we must begin and who must guide us. In today's episode, we will answer three key questions. Who can diagnose a sleep disorder? Who can diagnose the right level of sleep disorder based on sleep studies? Are devices like smartwatches accurate in looking at sleep? I was very happy to be introduced to Pankaj Arora to speak into this topic of sleep diagnostics. He is the country manager for India and subcontinent in Somnomedics GmbH, a German organization in the field of sleep technology. Today, he is certified in clinical sleep health from AASM USA, one of the few in our country. He also possesses RPSGT certificate gold standard in field of sleep technology and is the co-author of the well-acclaimed book RPSGT Pearls. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author in New Guinea and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, Let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Pankaj, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. And today we are talking about sleep diagnostics. And I know that I'm quite curious about our conversation today because I would want to know if I was struggling with poor sleep. First of all, what are the signs that I might not be having optimal sleep? Because it may be more than just not being able to fall asleep. Sometimes people think that because they fall asleep, they've got great sleep. That might not be the case. Maybe they're not having good quality of sleep. So I would love to answer questions such as when do I need to seek out sleep diagnostics? Where do I go if I want to get 
any sort of screening done and what will sleep diagnostics involve now i want us to be able to answer these three questions today but let's talk a very quick intro story about you pankaj as to what brought you into the field of sleep because we are all quite passionate in the world of sleep and uh, it brings us together in a certain way so what kindled your interest you know uh, to be honest i am in this field now into sleep medicine for last 11 years and and uh, when i joined sleep medicines to be honest i was even not aware uh, and i was a layman like uh, any other person and somebody uh, told me to join this uh, this in, go into sleep medicine and 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 join and then when i joined sleep medicine and then i when i saw uh, honestly into diagnostic uh when i saw patients uh undergoing the sleep studies and when i saw the waveforms uh, you know it it gave me a you know uh, different perspective that these kind of waveforms it means lot of happening during sleep which even i was not aware earlier and that gave me the you know interest that you know i should go into deeper uh, into sleep medicine learn more into sleep medicine and then that's how the journey started actually 11 years back and now today uh, i can say now i have good experience into sleep medicine and uh, uh, done myself lot of uh, studies uh, on sleep and uh, so this is to be honest this is actually a very good field uh, that's what i learned and and lot of lot of things which even we do not know uh, people for example uh, dreaming in the sleep uh, have what is happening during, like for example some people dream and we we can see actually what is happening not we cannot see what is what they what they dreaming but in the waveforms we can actually find out that they are actually dreaming now so this is really uh, a field which is really fascinating to me uh, that's what i can say and that's what brought me into sleep medicine great pankaj uh, and i think we need a lot more people like you because already i got excited when you say that we can see in the waveform when someone is dreaming and i think we already have a topic for our next conversation with you which is how do you what what does the sleep diagnostics tell us about dreaming and how does it improve so maybe we can do another conversation on that later but let's come to how um, when we say sleep diagnostics so Uh, when would someone need to think that they might need to go down that road yeah as as i was talking to you earlier also like i when i talk to people i and i meet lot of people and everybody says i have a sleep uh, problem uh, when i ask them what is the kind of a problem they will say and during the day during the day i feel lethargic i am like tired and sometimes my wife say i'm snoring but what to do and even uh, because when it, when you talk of metros people are still aware but when you go to uh, you know inside they do not know what they need to do so obviously they need to uh, uh, as i told you there are a lot of things happening during sleep so they need to look to, to the sleep physician or a qualified sleep person to know what is happening and actually this will improve uh, the once they will get the uh, therapy or whatever uh, uh, doctors will uh, prescribe them then it will their uh, obviously uh, their life will improve for sure that's what i can say uh, I, 
you know, for example, if they're snoring, just an example, if they're snoring, they can actually seek to uh, GP, their general practitioner. They uh, first day he will see what is the issue with them, and they will. GP also doesn't have that. To be honest, GP will not have that much of knowledge about sleep medicine. So probably they will guide this GP will guide them to the correct uh, sleep physician. He could be an ENT because if it could be a snoring issue, he could be an ENT person who will be uh, viewing the you know oropharyngeal uh, pharyngeal issues issues and then see what will happening. Or he can probably uh, uh, refer to a pulmonologist who can see what is the could be the issue because ultimately what is happening, uh, Deepa, that uh, in the morning if somebody is tired. What is the issue? Issue is that, uh, you know, what is happening? We are taking oxygen, inhaling oxygen, exhaling carbon dioxide, actually. So some issue is happening in the during the night that he is not getting either proper oxygenation is going not to the patient. Uh, and that is why he is sleep deprived. Or uh, so there's some obstruction in the uh, airway, one. Or could be a uh, uh, lot of other issues, like, for example, he is... Uh, he's having insomnia or could be hypersomnolence. So, so different, in fact, there are a lot of specialties involved. You know, uh, for example, I told you for, uh, for snoring, then ENT is there. If it's a case of insomnia, he can go to psychiatrist. If it's a case of hypersomnolence, he can, he can go to neurologist. Uh, so, uh, Similarly, Palmo, if he is in lungs involved, then he has, he has to go to uh, Palmo. But that's what I told you. Coming back to this, he needs to go to GP first, general physician. And then he will see, he will see the first point he is because he's a first point contact. So he will assess and then he will actually guide this patient or a person to go to the right uh, person. And once he is, gets treated, his, uh, his life will be actually uh, uh, surely improved. That's what I can say. And I just want to clarify, Pankaj, because do you really feel that every GP uh, is aware as much about sleep as we need to have? Because I have, I haven't quite come across that in some cases where uh, the awareness of the depth of what invo is involved in sleep challenges is probably not there. And sometimes I'm not sure that even they know where exactly to direct somebody. So that can be a bit of a problem itself. But um, let's say if somebody was to come to do, when you say sleep diagnostics, so do you mean a screening that is done when you say we are studying the waves? Can you talk a little bit in detail about what does this involve? The first first point, uh, Deepa, which you have raised, uh, raised rightly, that even GPs are not aware that well, what is sleep medicine actually. So we as a community need to talk about it. So we also as a uh, we need to tell them that what is actually sleep. Sleep uh, GPs should also know actually. So we need to teach them first to what is sleep medicine, and then they will obviously look into the patients and they will guide to the direct persons actually. First and second point, you have said that what is the screening tools and what they need, what they can do. So, uh, on a very basic level, actually, I can tell you there are uh, diagnostic studies are like there are four levels of studies in diagnostic. If you ask me personally, so one is level one, for example, level one to level four studies. So, level one is done in the hospital setup. That is uh, a, a gold standard sleep study. What ASM recommends. 
that it has to be done in the hospital it has to be attended by the sleep technician or a sleep physician it has to has a camera along with it so that we can see the movements also so and then going from level 1 to level 4 level 2 is again uh, with all the channels will all the sensors involved but it is unattended it is unattended at the patient uh, house or maybe in the hospital but it is still unattended so this is level 1 and level 2 all sensors are same one is attended another is unattended so level 3 is again uh, you once you do not involve eeg channels means you are not interested in sleep uh, sleep eeg you are only interested in respiratory parameters then it is called as level 3 study so or it is called as cardio respiratory screener because you are looking at respiratory and also you need to look at the ecg because there will be lot of ऑक्सीजन as well as flow because there is two issues one is uh, there is oxygen saturation is dipping and there is a flow which is which is not going to go into the patient so that is we need to look at two things so this screen device itself will be a good tool actually for a general public to actually assess what is the issue with the uh, patient and uh, that can be done at the patient home itself and uh, and if we know surely that this patient have a good case of for example he has issues with some obstruction levels at wherever from nose or uh, airway so we know uh, how can we know this is also important how can we know whether he has some obstructions so there are some questionnaires actually uh, like for example berlin questionnaire or a uh, or stop bank questionnaires which which can be uh, given to gps even Uh, and told them that you need to get this filled uh, through the patient and there are some pointers for example if you have some three points you get some three points or four points then you need to know you, then you really sure about this particular patient that this patient have uh, a issue have a problem with obstruction so then then uh, then with that particular pointer you have with the screening uh, questionnaire you can actually put a screening device itself first uh a level 4 device which will give you a good indicator uh, and good outcome that uh, he has some kind of obstructions and and then you can actually uh, diagnose through it and then you can actually treat it but but second point is if the patient has comorbidities for example if he has hypertension if he is a uh, lot of other issues like he is a neuromuscular disorders uh, or any other disorder or any other disorder which uh, which which has for, for for that purpose he need to come to the hospital then we should go for a level 1 study and then we should then we should avoid level 4 or like only screening device so then we have a different criterias for choosing whether we need to go for a level 4 study or a level 1 study so most of the patients most of the patient will be treated with level 4 uh but then there are lot because population is so big actually and you know uh, and sleep issues are so much and they have lot of other 
comorbidities also along with sleep issues or obstructive sleep along with OSA, there are a lot of other issues happening. So then we need to ass uh, assess this first and then accordingly plan it, uh, whether it's a level one study or level four study. So it's a, it's a discretion of a, uh, I will not say discretion of a doctor, but obviously he will understand whether which study he needs, which study the patient requires. So coming back, questionnaire is very important. Uh, so questionnaire is important and then then he need to decide whether he should go for screening or a, uh, a gold standard uh, diagnostic study. Hmm. Beautifully explained Pankaj Patati and I want to clarify two things. One is that you spoke about obstruction. Now is, um, I mean, I think, uh, do we clarify to our listeners that there can be people who have poor quality of sleep even without having obstructive sleep apnea or cha chronic challenges like that. So it could be other challenges with sleep. That is one. And the second is you said the doctor, it's the, at the discretion of the doctor to decide whether it's level one or two or three or four. Yes. Now, uh, when you're talking about this, are you referring again to the GP? Because... Um, I haven't come across a single GP who's ever sent me on any such screening. So does this mean I need to seek out a sleep physician to do this? Yes. So GPs obviously can't decide. As we discussed, GPs are still not aware what sleep medicine is actually. So, uh, so GPs will still not able to decide. So the patient has to look for some sleep physician in, in that particular area. And they are all uh, qualified sleep physicians also. Uh, World Sleep Certified Sleep Physicians or ASM uh, Certified Sleep, ASM Board Certified uh, Sleep Physicians. So then obviously they need to look that particular sleep physicians. And then they will decide which, uh, which level of study they should do on particular patient. And I guess you asked some other question also about uh, obstruction, I guess you said. So you said that uh, uh, could be that there apart from obstruction, uh, uh, what could be other issues and the patient is still feeling lethargic in the day. That's what I guess the question is. Yes. So uh, yes, obviously uh, many issues actually. Uh, one of them could be, uh, so we to be honest, we even don't know. Uh, in the morning, what is the issue happening during the night and why this patient is feeling tired in the day? So when I told you that you need to uh, assess the patient through questionnaires, so if he has some obstruction, he, we will come to know this questionnaire. Then there are there is another questionnaire that is called as ESS, effortness sleepiness scale. So that is ESS is also give you, uh, uh, because patient is feeling sleepy during the day. So, uh, it could be that uh, there could uh, there could be some issues like, for example, narcolepsy. So this is a different uh, scenario, case scenario. It's not obstruction uh, in the airway, but he is still feeling sleepy during the day because he has some kind of issues of narcolepsy. With narcolepsy is a kind of hypersomnolence. So this patient was sleeping whole night, but during the day also he is still feeling lethargic. He is still feeling tired, and he is still feeling sleepy. So this could be second case. Third case could be uh, that this patient could be an insomniac patient. You know, uh, whole night uh, he is not uh, sleeping. Uh, he is trying to sleep, but he is still not able to sleep. Could be uh, his he is anxious or his mind is not uh, able him, unable to tell him to sleep. 
or could be a paradoxical insomnia so for example you know my mother to be honest my mother is a uh, when i talk to my mother always she always say in the morning that uh, pankaj i didn't sleep well in the night and i say mom you were sleeping you were snoring even so but uh, he she says no no i was not sleeping so this could be i'm just imagine this could be a case of paradoxical insomnia also so that means they, these people are sleeping actually but but uh, still they are complaining that uh, they are not sleeping well because uh, they are still sometimes they are thinking so apart from obstruction yes there are for example i told you one is there are extreme cases one is insomnia that is extreme case and the other is hypersomnolence this is again an extreme case hypersomnolence excessive sleep insomnia is is not sleeping at all let's talk us through one of the maybe the level 1 screening where somebody is observing can you talk us through what happens what is actually involved what have um, typically been noticed by the those who are attending to these tests and what do they look out for and because you told me the very interesting aspect about the mm. dreams and when you know that it's their dreaming so let's walk through the test itself Oh, yes, really, it's a real wonderful question, Deepa. Actually, uh, you know, as I told you, a lot of things happens during this sleep, and and when we see these waveforms, it's really fascinating, and we see what is happening actually. So, uh, I tell you, what is uh, what waveforms we see? So, what we need to look at actually during the sleep study, during diagnostic level one. So, what we do is we put a lot of sensors on the patient. So, what we do is we put, for example, uh, EEG. Uh, sensors. Uh, uh, I will not go into technical details, but we will put, for example, frontal channels, central occipital channels, and and every every electrode has a role to play. For example, you know, for example, if you want to see the uh, when we see the patient is because once the patient is trying to sleep, he is generating different waveforms, and when we are awake, we are generating different waveforms. So when we are actually trying to sleep and uh, our eyes are closed. We generate alpha waveforms, and alpha waveforms come from the occipital range region, which is behind the head. So, and when we see it in the uh, when we see it during in the screen, so we can clearly see alpha waveforms are coming. So we still see the patient is still awake, and this is here these electrodes come into picture. Now we see, for example, the patient obviously the patient is going to sleep now. So, uh, so it will go to stay. There are stages also. For example, there are different stages of sleep. So, for example, there is a stage N one. N2, N3, so these are called as non-REM stages and there is a REM stage which we discussed. REM stage is basically a dream stage which we call it as a dream stage. So, uh, so N1, N2 is a basically, uh, it's a light stage. It means it's still, the patient is not into gone into deep sleep still. So, uh, and the patient can be easily waken up from the N1 and N2 sleep and then patient goes into deep sleep that is called as N3 sleep. So, N3 sleep gives you a uh, delta sleep so delta waveforms so delta means uh, basically we say in a, a layman language it's a not a layman language but delta sleep is basically uh, low frequency high amplitude you will get bigger waveforms and then this frontal it will come from frontal leads so that is why this frontal leads are important and now when we talk about stage n2 also i told you n1 n2 n2 gives you spindles kind of a spindle waveforms which will come from central leads so that is why all the leads are important. So, and then, so once we get through N1, N2, N3, the patient will obviously go into sometimes into REM sleep. So what will happen? Um, 
normal patients normal normal people generally have a cycle you know we go around four to five cycles whole night four to five cycles in it so one cycle is around 90 to 120 minutes so that is a complete cycle of sleep so in that particular phase we will go into both ram as well as non-ram non and ram stage and ram stage will come around 90 minutes 90 to 120 minutes in adults so this is the time this is a normal uh, sleep architecture of a uh, normal person but if the person has some issues for example some obstruction uh, obstructive uh, apneas or maybe is a case of narcolepsy so then this sleep structure will change and that's what we need to look at uh, and that's what we need to look at during the sleep uh, waveforms uh, and and for example uh, uh, this this is one now we come to the uh, and then how should we differentiate also i would like to tell you how should we differentiate between ram and non ram stage that's very important so then we have an EOGs, uh, that is uh, ocular movements, eye movements. So what will happen when we are going to sleep? Uh, for example, when I close my eyes, my eyes will, uh, you know, will be closed and there'll be no eye movements. So and then will be there'll be kind of a slightly flattened line in EOG channels. But what will happen during REM? That's what I was talking about. REM stage is a dreaming stage. So it, and you will see the eye waveforms moving around so that is give you a pointer that this patient has gone into REM sleep now uh, and, and then there is another thing for, there is one more uh, thing which is one more sensor which is important to differentiate between REM and non-REM stage is chin EMG so you know when I'm talking to you my body is moving my all muscles are moving and my face is you know chin movements are there so, but when I'm going to sleep chin chin is actually you know uh, tone there is a tone less tone always when I'm going to sleep so during stages, the tone will be really going to be less. And in the, in the RAM stage, there'll be no tone. So there'll be no tone in the chin EMG. So now, you know, see, it's a, it's a kind of a paradoxical. You know, there is no tone in the chin EMG. All muscle movements are actually, you know, flattened, but still your eyes are moving. Your eyes are moving. Your, and there will be a difference in the EEG waveforms. EEG will be like stage N1. But you have a chin EMG flattened and EOG is moving. So then you say, say REM stage now. So that is very important uh, to see whether he is having a normal sleep architecture or because of some obstructions, there is changes happening in the sleep. And that is why he is not, uh, that is why he is feeling tired because obstruction getting changed to sleep. Uh, so that is what we are looking interested. And that is why level one is important. Because if you go to level four, you will not get the sleep stages. Because ultimately, what our aim is, we need to look at what is happening with his sleep architecture. So level ones give you sleep architecture, whether how how obstructions are affecting his sleep architecture. One. Second, now you need to look at the uh, uh, obstructions also. How how much obstruction is happening? What kind of severity he has? So you need to have that channels also, that sensors also. So it means what I told you also previously that uh, that you need to look at the flow. So what will happen when the uh, so uh, what is obstruction? Obstruction is basically uh, uh, basically you are uh, when we are in for example I'm awake, my air is actually going in, coming out normally. But when I'm sleeping. Uh, uh, the tissues, for example, neck tissues, they will have some uh, things, they will collapse, trying to collapse uh, in the night. 
and for a normal patient for a normal person it will not collapse that much but for patients who has obstructive sleep apnea or obese patient it will collapse more so it will collapse more so the air will not able to go in and that's where the obstruction is so we need to see the severity of that obstructions and how many times how many times it's important how many times these obstructions are happening so 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 in normal person we say in normal adult i'm talking in normal adult if it's less than 5 5 per hour less than 5 per hour is okay so that is the goal ultimate goal is that is the goal that less than 5 is okay per hour but in that what i've seen in lot of obstructive sleep apnea patients uh, to be honest it's happening more than 60 times more than 60 times so this is too much and even 90 times in a hour so that is you can imagine 90 times obstruction happening so 90 times he is not able to get the oxygen 90 times he is not able to get the oxygen yes so that is this is why flow sensors are important and uh, other thing i also you ask sometimes i guess that apart from obstruction you have we put both belts on thoracic as well as abdomen because it's you know there are two things involved one is air is going through nose and mouth to the uh, lungs but there is some control you know somebody is controlling so neuro neurology neuro is con brain is controlling that we should breathe in breathe out but when brain itself is not signaling you know i'm talking in layman language when brain itself is not signaling it means our thoracic and abdomen itself is not working uh, probably our, our upper airway is okay you know it's intact but but my brain is not signaling so that's what we also need to look at so in that case thoracic and abdomen will not work still the air is not going because so that is also we need to so then we need to put that sensors also then we this 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 is called as central sleep apnea and when it is happening through upper airway it is called as obstructive sleep apnea but when it is happening through uh, thoracic and abdomen airways then it is called as central sleep apnea so you must have seen sometimes patient are saying i am very thin i do not have i am not obese but still i am not able to sleep so could be this could be a reason i'm just uh, just saying it, it's not an upper airway obstruction but it could be central sleep apneas so that is what i have seen it third thing is you know uh, you must have seen also in a normal scenario that uh, uh, restless leg syndrome i, I don't know whether you know yes, it yes 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 so restless leg syndrome and also we do not do, do i want to tell you we do not do sleep study for restless leg syndrome it's a day uh, but but we do sleep study for periodic leg movement disorders that is plmd so and then that's the reason we need to do uh, we need to put uh, leg uh, uh, chin uh, leg uh, sensor also on on the tibialis muscle which we say we call as tibialis muscle and then we need to look at the leg movements what is happening because of leg movements also he doesn't have an obstruction but because he is a uh, lot of leg movements happening during the night and because of leg movements he is again getting wake up you know getting uh, his cortical arousals happening lot of arousals are happening and a lot of fragmented sleep is happening because of leg movements so this is the why leg movements leg sensors are also important and most important sensor which i forgot to tell you actually is a pulse oximeter which is a very basic sensor oxygen because we are interested in oxygen you know so oxygen saturation sensor has to be there so obviously oxygen because we are interested what we are interested in 
they are interested, then patient should not be hypoxic. That patient should, uh, hypoxic means he should not be desaturating in the night. That's what we are interested in. So we need to have that sensor. So, so these sensors have to be put on a patient and, uh, and has to be sleep, a patient has to sleep. Now, the second question could you can ask actually, Pankaj, will the patient sleep with so many sensors? You know, this will be an obvious question uh, from a layman. If you put so many sensors, how the patient will sleep? But uh, I have seen so many patients, Deepa, that uh, when we are trying to hook up, the when a patient has a problem, uh, for example, uh, or, or obstructive sleep apnea, just an example, uh, and I've seen patients when we are hooking up these patients, they, uh, you know, they feel sleepy at that particular moment itself. Uh, though they might get up in the night uh, or they have some sleep fragmentation, but I have seen it personally that they will feel sleepy within uh, when we are trying to hook up the patient. When we obviously we will put the sensors on a patient, it will take around 30 40 minutes uh, to put all the sensors, and in that 40 minutes itself, they feel uh, that they will you know doze off, they will feel sleepy because they are during the day also they were feeling tired, you know, so it's a vivacious cycle. Uh, so they will feel sleepy and then in the night. Uh, so I thought you will probably ask this question that with these sensors, they will sleep. But yes, they sleep with these sensors. The question answer is yes, they will sleep. And I, I know and, we don't have too much time, Pankaj, but I want us to clarify two questions. And the first okay. is when we're doing these sleep studies, because you very beautifully captured very subtle nuances of the test. And I want to ask you that is just one night of screening adequate to give somebody an in-depth report of their sleep or does it involve repeated attempts? Very good question, Deepa, actually. Very good question. As a uh, And this has to be addressed, actually. You know, uh, two things. One is first night effect can be there. You know, when I'm, for example, when I am sleeping at my bed, I'm very comfortable. For example, I travel a lot. And when I go to some other city, I go to a hotel bed, I am not able to sleep sometimes, you know, because there is a change of bed. So, agreed. First night effect can be there. First night effect can be there. And then sometimes, sometimes you need to repeat this study also. Because you, what you were trying to capture, you could not. And the next day, you, you can... And, and there, there also I would like to tell you that why I'm talking about level one sleep and why it is gold standard because level one sleep, yes, it has to be at, uh, in the hospital. But important thing is that we need to give a scenario like home. There cannot be a bed, a railing bed. There should be a wooden bed. There yes. should be a good bed. Uh, yes. So that's very important. And that will uh, and noiseless room. Uh, dark room so these has to be you know some recommendations has to be has given by uh, ASM body for example so this has to be followed and so, I'm just uh, wondering some... Pankaj is it followed everywhere where sleep studies are done because I my mind instantly went to you know, in the urologist, they've got this screening where uh, they have uh, sensors set up with a, um, where um, urination is uh, done and then they study the flow of urine. And I remember in very good hospitals that the standards were so poor when I took my father once and um, it really left me alarmed by that. So 
do we while recommendations can be there do you feel these are followed everywhere or is this uh, only in certain uh, areas and i don't want to spend too long on that because before we close our episode today i do want to ask you in terms of screening what is the opinion from an expert like yourself on using devices which we have today like apple watch because we are all getting these reports of how much rem sleep uh, and how much deep sleep light sleep so is the efficacy of these devices uh, all right for somebody like you and me to just watch how we are sleeping every day and um, i would love for you to close our show with that the first question you asked about the you know uh, 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 hygiene for example you talk about then uh, in the so uh, yes recommendations are there but i am not sure whether it's being actually followed or not but yes it has to be followed otherwise it will not be called as gold standard some good corporate hospitals which i know are following it and they are maintaining these standards and one more thing that washroom has to be attached uh it cannot be outside the sleep lab it is in the same uh, room actually so patient can move and, uh, and come back because obstructive sleep apnea patients actually will choke during the night and then they will go out to the washroom because uh, they have urge to go to washroom so uh, it has to be cleaned and and somebody and that is why somebody has to attend and and now the technology is such that wireless technology is come so they can move around and come back and there will be no one coming in the uh, patient room and that's why for example women patients they also need a privacy at 2 am so uh, and that's why wireless technology comes into picture so they go and come back and then somebody is still monitoring them that if something is happening they can still peep in go in but still uh, they are still not coming in because the patient should feel comfortable uh, so yes uh, yes and no that somebody is being called some some corporate are following this some are not but still the gold standard is that we need to follow it and and second question you ask about these uh, gadgets like uh, apple watches and all these things uh, i'm not an expert on this but still i would like to tell you that uh, they are not medically approved you know they are still consumer you know they are for consumer based so they will give you a kind of a good estimation you know good estimation that this could be this this could be this but still it's not medically approved they are not still validated they are not uh, you know validated and they're not any studies or research done uh, like uh, like proper diagnostic which are medically approved or uh, uh, done for the hospital purpose so that's what i can say that that is a still there is a difference between these apple watches or other things yes a uh, lot of things happening now artificial intelligence is going to come in future that's what we are all talking about but that's future i can't comment on that uh, uh, but still i would say uh, sleep diagnostic these equipments are still the gold standard and we should rely on them not on the uh, consumer goods that's my take uh, that's yes. what i would say yes absolutely and the reason i asked you that question was because you described in so much detail about the sensors at different areas of the body and what each of them what was the input was that's brought by each of them and that's the reason instantly my mind went to how can a watch which is worn on one point give you the same level of depth of information and that's why i wanted you to 
clarify that. Any final words, Pankaj, for our listeners today on sleep diagnostics? So I would say the last that if you feel some issues uh, about sleep, you're feeling sleep deprived, you're feeling tiredness, do not ignore it. Do not ignore it. Please look, uh, and especially if it's happening for more than three months. So if it's happening more than, could be that one month, it's okay. But if it's happening more than three months, please go and look at your sleep. Look for sleep physician. Could be some issue. And I can tell you, if you go to sleep physician, if he will do some diagnostics and it will give you some recommendation, uh, some prescribe something, your life can be changed. That's what I can say at the end. So please, please do not ignore uh, your symptoms what during the day. Uh, that's very important. And we all actually ignore. You know, we uh, even me, I'll say, no, no, it's okay. Sleep, it's it's okay. Uh, let's manage without it. It's, but that is, sleep is the most important, I will say. All problems, according to me, this is my personal feeling that all problems, whatever is happening, it's basically happening because of sleep. If you're not sleeping well, half of the life is here. You know, anyways, one third of life, we sleep. So, so uh, it should be taken care of. I totally agree, Pankha. Just today I wrote an article for your story saying no symptom or condition or treatment can be effective if sleep is not in place. Yes. Um, and I, I totally agree. I loved our conversation. Thank you for your wealth of knowledge and I would like to have you do a sleep study on me sometime soon. But sure. uh, thank you for your time. It was thank a you. pleasure having this conversation. Same here. Pleasure um, meeting you through Zoom. But it's really nice. And we'll have more conversation. Thank you very much, Deepa. In this episode, Pankaj Arora walked us through every step of sleep diagnostics. I do want to end this episode with my perspective on this. If you've been struggling with sleep challenges for a long time and have been unable to resolve them, do consider getting a sleep study done by the right person. If you do get a diagnosis, work with the right practitioner to help you. On the other side, let me also remind you that millions exist in the area of the gap between those who sleep great and those who might get a diagnosis of a sleep disorder. Within that gap, there is so much we can do. If you missed my conversation with Andrea Nakayama on the gap, scroll down this episode to the show notes and take a listen to that two-part episode. If you need help working with a practitioner to navigate these gaps or to support you alongside working with a sleep physician, book a strategy call with me by writing to support at fight2thrive.com. Have a great day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional 
please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health condition. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.